This is the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast. Everyone out there, stay safe because this coronavirus is bad. We want, all want to stay safe. And for teenagers, I am sorry if you're having a hard time separating from your parents. <laughs> Like, I mean, leaving, but you like mean going that they to a different house. You mean that they want to leave and they can't leave right now? Yeah. Because teenagers, it must be tough for them. Yeah, it must be tough for them. Because you want to stay home with me? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's easy because I'm not a teenager. It's easy because you're not a teenager for you yep. to stay home with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else do you want to say to the people? Um... Have a great time at home and staying safe. I love you. Goodbye. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I appreciate you doing this with me. I'm I'm sure you don't know what to expect, and I'm just kind of like excited to chat with you about everything in the world. <laughs> yeah, I don't at all, but I'm always glad to talk to you. I'm, I mean, I don't like this experience, but I'm glad that it's like made me talk to people more. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Well, this is the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast, and it's just something that I do. My friend Leonica and I started it just as a way to kind of document what we were feeling and how everything was going. And it's been obviously something that I we say I don't care if you listen, but you were one of the people that approached me pretty early on and said, yeah, I listen. Um, you were yeah. like, I think your exact words were, I listen. I don't agree with everything, but I listen. And I was like, she has no idea how much I love that. I oh. love everything that you said about that. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> Will you do me a favor? Would you kind of introduce yourself and just tell everybody about you, who you are, what you do, and at least anything you're willing to share? Sure. Well, my name's Abby, and... I sort of define myself as an exercise physiologist, health and wellness person. Anything as far as what can help people be well is an interest of mine. And I'm also finishing up everything to become a board certified health and wellness coach. I love the outdoors and I like to try new things and I try to uh, approach the world that way, like trying new things, looking at things from different people's point of views and that's important to me in health and wellness but also just in interpersonal relationships and it's powerful stuff isn't it yeah well it's it's fascinating because when I I met you I think one of the first things that I learned about you was that you don't love hugging yes (laughs) and I remember thinking because I am an over hugger And I realized that there's an energy transfer and an energy conservation that you got to be careful of when you're hugging people. Mm -hmm. And it was actually you and me hearing that about you that, was it you that told me that or did I hear it from someone? I usually tell people, like when I get to know you, like now I would hug you and I would, like that wouldn't be weird. But initially meeting people, Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that is that um, my mom is part of an ashram, and um, Uh Sadhguru, and it's in McMinnville, Tennessee, and um, I can remember one of the times when I visited there, and it was a, um, there was a a gentleman, and my mom was like, just, two, there was a couple people, was like, you make sure you don't hug them, you don't hug Mm. them. They, they too, themselves were not hugging anybody, going through some variation of them having to address their 
energy within. And so yeah. it was such a sensitive space that you don't really want to not to, you know, hijack the concept of all the beautiful things you do, but in <laughs> that in that tone of energy. Yeah. Where we're at right now. The reason that I feel like I really wanted to chat with you is because of your knowledge and expertise as to what's happening in uh, inside people's bodies possibly right yeah. now with all the chaos and confusion. And yeah. um I don't I know you're trying to figure out how to parent in a pandemic and I'm trying to figure out how to parent in a pandemic and people are trying to figure out how to be professional, parent, mm. pay the bills, a lot of peas. <laughs> Yeah, all of it. In the pot of soup, yeah. Right? And, um, you know, there's, I've had these, you know, pie in the sky ideas of, oh, man, let's just get all these families and kids together and let's just all sing together. We'll have a giant, like, you know, jam session. And we had all these protests and there's all this energy. Um, where do you feel like we're at and what do you think are some things people might want to consider when they're dealing with self-care right now? Oh, that's such a big question because for every person, yeah, it's going to be so different. True, true, um, true. So as far as, you know, I, I love routine, right? I like to know at this time I'm going to do this and have an idea, okay, this time I'm going to talk to so-and-so or pick up is it this time. And um, this time is my workout or my walk or whatever it is for that day. So, and I know a lot of people are like that. So if, if that's the person's kind of take on how they run their day, that's really hard right now because there's so many unknowns. Yeah. So any way that we can stick to some sort of a schedule and even if that's waking up each morning and saying like, okay, well, this is the schedule today, even though I don't like it. Um, but that this is the time I'm going to fit in whatever your self-care plan is. Uh, that's, that's really important. And for the people that might usually be more flexible with when, you know, they, they fit in a walk throughout the day, whenever or meditation, whatever their practice is, they, they still might be having a hard time because like you said, we are all dealing with this and we don't know what to do. So yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to find a time to do it. Do you meditate? Are you a meditator? Do you meditate? I do. Um, my preferred meditation is a walking meditation. Sure. Uh, I find that that that's, that's the best for me. If I'm in a guided meditation, that's wonderful. Um, I find it harder to, to sit, but a nice a walk where I can close my eyes is a wonderful walk in meditation. I'm glad you said that because I I am just now at the age of 44 as a woman who grew up in a in a in a very practicing Hindu household. I am just now coming to the realization that meditation doesn't have to look like sitting and mm. being still. I am just now coming to that. I yeah. feel like I've struggled with meditation my whole life primarily because I feel like my brain not, may not be wired for the sit and shut your brain off. My brain may be wired for the do and lose yourself in. Mm, oh, I love how you said that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it may be that, you know, and I think for some people it is that and it's okay. And if you find that riding your bike and I, I think you and I, there was a, you helped me um, with some, you know, lifestyle coaching and planning, um, you know, menu planning and, and all that stuff and kind of filling in 
the spaces that needed to be filled in in me. And that was one of the things I realized that riding my bike was a meditation for me. Yeah. You know? I love that. You and I have had such few interactions, but they've been very, very powerful interactions, the interactions I've had with you. Yeah, but that's why I have so much enjoyed getting to know you because we were able to, I feel like, go from the non-hugging spot in my mind to the hugging spot. Yeah, absolutely. And my, for me, and the flip side is literally the under, I knew right at the onset that I loved who you were. And right at the very beginning, like as soon as I met you, I felt it, I knew it. And then there was that feeling of like, you know, the more and more we've talked and the more and more all of this has kind of transpired, I just kind of feel like, man, Abby's one person I feel like I could ask a lot of questions of and learn a lot from. Yeah, same. Thanks. Well, I I don't know what I could teach you. (laughs) Let's talk, girl. Let's talk. (laughs) But that like I really value that in people that we can sit down and have really hard conversations and not be afraid to like oh I want to ask the hard questions sometimes and I I, I'm coming because I'm I want to learn and I don't know the answer and it doesn't mean we're always going to agree on things but but we have to be in that space where we can talk about it and feel safe enough to ask questions otherwise we're not going to get anywhere and then nobody grows and we've got kids watching us we've got kids watching us go through this too so we've got to like be the example how where are you like how are you feeling what was your first reactions to the george floyd um um you know not just the protests that started but everything leading up to it and then where where was your family at with that where were you at with that are you on good terms with your family about it is everybody in your family on the same page are you are you a white woman battling her white family over all these issues right now or are you not a white woman battling these issues with her family right now because a lot of people are i come from a family where i would say there's there's still denial there i don't know if that's the right word but i get it um and, you know, my my grandfather was born in North Carolina in the Deep South, and my grandmother, who he married, was a northerner from Connecticut, a Yankee. Mm-hmm. And growing up, it was very much defined as that. That was, it was always, always discussed that way. And my family still doesn't look at even discussing things like that as what's wrong with it that's just the way it was that's how I was raised so there's still a lot of denial there I I feel like do you and and so so just to give you a little perspective like my husband's dad is a retired police officer who Mm. for the most part I was pretty relieved when we met early on um he seemed pretty liberal in his understanding of the world. There were some moments here and there that were more ignorance than anything. They weren't necessarily like he, he one time made a comment yeah. about Hindus. He one time was like, Oh cows, you guys are still into that cow thing. Um, which was kind of funny, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, you know, and at one point his girlfriend had a, a Confederate flag hanging up and I saw it and mm. I was just kind of like, uh, um, yeah. And, um, you know, he, has kind of taken a little bit of a position only via social media and I don't even want to give Facebook this much love because I kind of blame Facebook for par- a lot of our problems mm. um, yes. but he's kind of taken the stance via memes etc that you know 
the blue lives matter and he's you know the, the looters are awful and um you know that that angle you know you know that yeah. angle and the sociology science data driven part of me wants to send all the facts on a spreadsheet and be like look <laughs> fyi but yeah where do we want to go with this? Like, do we want to have these? My, my husband has a relationship with his dad and it's great that he could be a great grandfather and, and he can mm -hmm. be, you know, a dad and he's helped us out and he's a fantastic guy. Do we want to fight that battle right now? Like, I know he's not going to vote for Trump again, so mm -hmm. that's good. <laughs> I don't think he ever right. voted for Trump. I don't think he ever voted for Trump, but if he did, you know, God bless him. Right. But um, I don't think that's going to happen. So it's like you pick and choose your life battles with family, right? Because you're kind of like, eh. Yeah. My mom has, uh, my mom and dad, growing up, I dated primarily black men. And I got mm -hmm. a lot of guff from that from my community, from my family. Um, and so I know there's some underlying stuff there too. But that's the question is like when it comes to inner peace and being peaceful within, are these conversations we want to have right now? Do we need to have them? How far are we willing to go? I I feel like we have to have them, right? Otherwise, aren't I just leaving the curtain closed and ignoring just even um, things that, you know, I'm learning things now. I try to be a learner when I step back in that big view and I'm going, oh my gosh, I, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like we do have to have them. I feel like in the process, Jacob, my husband and I had this conversation actually just yesterday. And I said, you know, in order, I think, to remain friends with that group of people, we might we might have to say we're not going to talk about these things. Or we're going to have to say, you know what, those things are so big and important that we can't ignore the way they look at them, their view. But then I asked myself, well, is that is that the right thing to do? Because then am I just backing off of the hard conversation that needs to be had? That's the right thing to do. That's the truth. It's exhausting though, but it's kind of like maybe that's our legacy. That's what our generation is going to have to do. That's what we owe to our kids is to have these conversations mm -hmm. so we could root this stuff out of the system. It needs to get out of the system. It's one thing when it's in a home. It's an absolute another thing, absolutely another thing when it bleeds over into the system. And when it's into the exactly. system and it's not fair and people who have less are getting less, it just doesn't add up. The, the, the dollars and cents don't add up. And I just wish I could, I wish that everybody who quote unquote had less in this country, regardless of race, could understand that if they work together, they would be helping mm. themselves out. But, yeah. and when I say themselves, I mean ourselves, me selves, well, us selves, like the regular, us. regular us's, you know? Um, yeah. But one of the things that you just said that made me think about, you know, it has been a lot of this. We've always said we can agree to disagree. We don't talk right. politics. We can agree to disagree. We don't talk politics. We can agree to disagree. I didn't know as a kid when we said don't talk politics that we were saying don't talk how the world works. Right. Like, if that's what talking politics means, we got to talk politics because the world isn't working right for yeah. a lot of people, for most people. It's not working right. And so when we say I agree to disagree, and then we say, 
but then there comes a point, right? So then, you know, one of the, I took, I don't know if you, you've done the same, but I've fallen into the TikTok hole many late nights of TikTok. Ah. <laughs> um, and I love it. But one of the reasons I love it is I'm loving watching these Gen Z kids kind of challenge their parents. Um, ah. That's been awesome to see. One of the things right. that it, I've, I've seen people say is, I can agree to disagree on coffee or tea. I can agree to disagree on a lot of things, but basic human rights is not one we can agree to disagree on. You either exactly. have a basic respect for hu all humanity or you don't. And it's, yes. I'm not trying to blame your blame you for your ancestors' behavior, but I will hold you responsible for the decisions that you make and the children that you raise going forward. That's just how it's got to be now, right? Yeah, and I feel like the the people in politics that we support, that we vote into office, that that's you know pushing forward the agenda. So, how can we agree to disagree on that? Yeah. And I don't, and I don't want to be the person that the second that I see that you have any support for Trump, I just shut you out. I don't want to be that right. person, but that's kind of where I'm at with this. That's where I'm at. Have you lost relationships over this whole situation? I don't even know what to call it anymore because the fact that a pandemic is somehow politicized, that's a whole nother issue. I don't even, we can research that in a second. Yeah. But have you lost relationships? Have relationships fell off because of all of this to you? They have for me, for sure. I think that they, they but they've have grown like, some too. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot that have grown, but I almost feel like the pandemic, since we are so you know socially distanced and not getting together, that that in a way maybe has cushioned it, and that this this whole like this isn't over yet, right? I don't I don't know what's going to happen because we're not being as social as we normally are. Jacob's still working, 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 and. You know, so I don't know yet and I don't know what the right thing, I don't know what the right thing to do is because I feel like if I, if I cut it off with, with groups, with people, with friends in, even in passing and, you know, I, I like to have close friends. Yeah. So that's course. important. Yeah. And so, um, and it's, it takes me a while to make friends and transfer that energy and share that yes. space with you and let people in. Yes. So, yes. But I feel like if I just cut that off, then is it wrong of me to do that? Because then it's not for lack of a better term, sharing the light. Yeah, no, that's and, exactly right. And you have to be that rep. It's exhausting and it's tiring. Yeah. But yeah, but see, I have family in Seattle. I have lots of family out West and quite mm -hmm. frequently they've said to me, if you want to live around like-minded people, why don't you move to be around like-minded people? And that's great mm -hmm. and wonderful and fantastic. But if little magic beads aren't in all these other places, then we're going to tip over. Like you guys need to yeah. start buying real estate over here. Yeah. <laughs> Help us out. It's yeah. hard sometimes to be the representative. I I'm I read this article about, you know, ICE training people to find immigrants. Like this is a real deal. They're actually hiring, they're training people, they're accepting people into a program, training them to use their weapons and be civilian um, police out on the streets to, to arrest immigrants. And I'm as American as apple pie, hot yeah. dogs, bacon, and all of the above, but I am brown and I get tanner in Florida. And so I'm just kind of like, um, if it, uh, um, hello, what's happening? Stop. Yeah. Pause. But this is real. 
This is real. The people down here who support the administration, and I don't hold him entirely responsible. I hold all the people who put him in that position responsible. Yes. I, 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 if you have any iota of that, I can't. How do I feel safe around you? They're coming to take me away. And you're, you're very okay yeah. with it. <laughs> you're all right with it. It's crazy. And it's so much bigger than, uh, I think that a lot of times, so if we're not having the conversations yeah. and even the people who are supporting those people putting ICE into that position to go about that, they don't even really understand the ramifications of that for, for, for everything. And yeah. they, the economy work. I mean, there's, it's so much bigger than it's so it's so big. And, and we're, they, we're able to ignore the children in cages because we don't see it, you know, when you don't right. see things, you don't know, you know, or it's fake or it's fake news or yeah. they're lying or and I, I'm tired of people saying that when I when I can sit here and tell you firsthand what we're experiencing in the medical community and you know you could sit there and tell us firsthand your experience and people are will still tell you to your face that that's well that's not true well that's just your experience well well, no, I'm talking to our other friends in this community. You're talking to your friends in this. That's not, how is that fake? <laughs> it's mind boggling. I said it to a woman the other day. I said the numbers, you know, the, the hospitals are close to capacity. I don't believe it. And I was like, what? Yeah. She literally like, that was it. That was her answer. I don't believe it. Yeah. And I was like, that's where we stop. That's the conversation. <laughs> right. I don't believe that's it. it. <laughs> but why, like, why is it until... And I think this is for many of the topics we've just covered, not just, you know, coronavirus related or hospital related, but like, why is it that until, until it's happening to me, that people don't, don't stand up and be like, oh, that's real. Or, you know, like, why, why until you have to wait eight hours at the hospital to be seen? It, why is that the only way it gets you to wake up to what's going on? Or, you know, until your family member is the one who's unfairly treated by the police, you know, like why, why, why can't we back up and have this big bird's eye view and see the collective? That's the part that is like, that kills me. This is the, I don't care if you listen podcast. I'm Shalini. I am lucky enough to have uh, crossed life paths with a beautiful woman by the name of Abby Eastman. She's an exercise physiologist. She's um, almost a board certified health and wellness coach, right? And almost almost, and, and has helped me um, in, in that regard and, and has been a listener of the podcast. So she is familiar with, you know, kind of my angle and where I come from with all this. This is of course a journal of what's happening right now. You know, this call it a podcast, whatever you want. Everybody's got a computer. Everybody can hit record. This is me talking to my people and trying to figure out what is going on in the world that we live in because I, I need help. Some days I just have no idea how we're even existing in this world. One of the things that you just mentioned and I wanted to pick your brain about that a lot of people are in denial about. People just don't believe it. They get to say, I don't believe it. They get to go about their merry life because it's not affecting them directly. Once that, you know, big giant number gets bigger and hits closer to home, then maybe they'll listen. You are in a world and have been in a world of your own with this pandemic in having your husband who is 
out and you said he's 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 working 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 can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what it is he does so everybody gets an understanding of your perspective yeah my husband is an emergency room physician and he has been for the last 12 plus years so that's our it's it's different because the ER is open 24 hours a day. Somebody always has to be there, and it's never not busy. So between pre-corona, like 80, um, pre-corona and now, how has your life changed having your husband in that profession? In some ways, it's the same, but in some ways, it's very different. Um, the the way that it would be very different is, you know, we were away and when we came back for, from spring break, you know, the shutdown happened and everything, everything changed. And so for a while, the ERs were very slow because this, in our area of the world, we had, you know, things shut down. So people weren't leaving their houses and they weren't going to the emergency room for reasons that they usually would. So it was a little bit slower, but as soon as everything opened back up, opened back up, it was busier. But during that slow time, there was still, it was still happening, right? People were still having emergencies and coming in. There was coronavirus happening, but they're running on a shortage of supplies. And that's really scary to know your family is going to work and being told you have one mask to use all night, which usually you would throw away in between each patient. And, you know, those kinds of shortages, that's really scary. That's your protection. And that's another part where if you're a patient, I don't, I don't know, do you want your physician to be coming in with a mask that they've used in another patient's room? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So there's things like that, that are hard. And, um, but now that things are opening back up, I mean, it's, it's busy and it's long, hard hours for anyone that works in the hospital system. Um, and what they have to see is really hard. And so that's, that's hard to be on the support end of that too. So he, um, what's his, his coming and going as far as being around the kids? Um, at first we, we like, you know, separated bedrooms. We set up a desanitation station in the garage yeah, um, and stayed very separate. And now that we know more about how coronavirus has spread, um, we were more confident that, you know, we could, we could mingle in the house and not just be on other ends of the house. Gotcha. Um, so, and also knowing more about how it's spread, you know, seeing how much precaution he takes, he's going into work with a full suit on like, um, and the only way I've explained it to people really is if you can envision when Ebola came out and you would see the physicians and the nurses and the workers going in to take care of an Ebola patient and the big white suit yeah. and the big hood over, that's what he's wearing to work. So he's stripping all that off before he even gets in the car to come home. Oh, wow. So, so there's that layer of protection there, right? That like, I don't wear that when I go to the grocery store. So I almost feel more nervous going to the grocery store, right? you know, and doing these little essential things that we have to do. Yeah. I don't know how you have conversations with people about, so I have a nurse who lives across the street from me who works at Largo Medical Center. I talked mm -hmm. to him a couple months ago. Um, I haven't really 
talk to him. We never, I'm not, I'm not that kind of neighbor. I don't chit chat with my neighbors a whole lot. Um, I just don't, I've never been, I, I I think, you know what it comes from? Chris always tells me it comes from working in radio. When I worked in radio, I just, Ah. I would come and go at odd hours and I would have the station vehicle and like people would, I didn't want them to know where I lived because then they'd ask me for free stuff. Um, Oh yeah. You know? But yeah, so I just don't really, but yeah, so I, that, as far as like locally, I kind of, you know, they, he work they work at, everybody in that house is a nurse. There's three nurses in that house and oh, wow. yeah, and, and they do a week on a week off and I just feel like his week's off. I, I see him, but I don't want to bug him because I know the last time we had talked, I mean, he was, he was pretty stressed out about it all. It, it just seemed like it was yeah. just, you know, trying to figure out where to put nurses, you know, some are pregnant, some have, you know, are compromised immune, immune systems. And so you don't want to put this nurse on that floor and that that nurse on this floor. And some nurse, you know, here he was questioning his life decision of how much longer do I even want to be a nurse? Is it worth it at this point? Mm. Um, I do think, you know, another physician, um, in the area that I've spoken with, um, Karen, she was, she was on our, our, on the podcast before. And she said, you know, she gets really annoyed, um, having to hear about the disbelief in the facts and the science from people. And she feels annoyed with sometimes having to treat people who are going out of their way to not mask and, you know, are, mm. are believing this is some giant hoax against the Republican party. Like, cause we want to kill our entire population to prove a point apparently. Um, Ugh. You know, those types of things for physicians and people who have to deal with this stuff day to day to hear has got to be exhausting. I mean, do you still do you get a lot of that? Does Jacob get a lot of that? Do you feel like that's less or people believing it more? Um, I We're still getting it. We're still getting it from people we know. I've still I've said to people the other day, just what I told you, like there's still a there's still a shortage. There's still limiting things. The hospitals are in the area are either at capacity or they're near capacity, yeah. which, which means, which, you know, back up and think about that for a second. So maybe you don't come down with coronavirus, but you get into a car accident or your loved one, you know, has a heart episode or, you know, all these things like the hospitals are crowded and care can't be given if it's, you know, like that nurse can't take care of every patient that, you know, that, assistant can't do every part as quickly as before so your care is compromised that's scary to think about and yeah they're telling us well that can't be our country is making all this stuff and there should it should be there you're right it should be but in our experience right now it, it's not and so the pandemic has become a political thing you know it's yeah it's clearly a political thing um and then in the middle of that we've got Black Lives Matter activity and hopefully some big changes. Um, I guess I wonder, you know, would you say most of your, your friends are white women? Yeah. Do you feel like most of them understand their role (laughs) and the need for them to, 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 I mean, do you feel it? Because I, I see, I a lot of my friends are white women. Most of my friends are white women, and I want to say to white women, like white women, you got to do it. Like y'all got to do it this yeah. time. You, 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 you got to stand up loud and proud. Because yeah, I, I feel like I'm saying that to myself right now. Like you haven't, you haven't done the work, and you haven't, 
you haven't stood up every time you were supposed to and and you haven't asked all the tough questions and that makes me mad at myself and disappointed but I'm glad I'm I'm doing trying to do the work now and trying to ask the questions now and and figure out what what the next steps are especially when you know we're not so quarantined and we can get back out because I think part of that is going to be being out there and interacting with people well I think Um, even us having this conversation is doing the work a little bit Abby yeah for sure me being able to say to you so representative token white woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've heard of token black man meet token white woman who is not named Karen (laughs) But no, I mean, it really does feel like, and I don't, and I, I, you know, I talked to one of my white gal pals yesterday that I've been friends with since fifth grade. And I said mm-hmm. to her, like, what are you doing, Sarah? Like, what are you doing? Like, I love you, but you need to have those conversations with those people. You know, yeah. she, you know, she's got family and she told me, she said, I will, and I will, and I will. And, you know, she, she, she told me about a, a, um, a white pastor, a woman who's a pastor down the road from her, who's got a Black Lives Matter sign in her yard. I'm afraid of putting up, you know, Biden and Black Lives Matter signs in my neighborhood because there's still, you know, the don't tread on me flag. So I kind of like, I don't want them coming for me. Yeah. Ugh. Ours, ours get stolen on our street. Really? Um, yeah. The When um, a couple years ago, I guess it would have been when Hillary was running, um, they would get stolen. Anyone who put them out on the street would get stolen, which is crazy. Yeah. I um, I was, when I had that conversation with the woman who was telling me that she just didn't believe it, she just didn't mm-hmm. believe it, she, um, I, I looked around, turned around, turned my head, and there was a, a Biden a yard sign. And um, I, I'm in one of these, you know, Joe Biden, Florida Joe Biden groups. And um, I, I, I posted in there, like, I see you, Largo. You know, yeah. this is good. I'm, I, I, kudos, kudos to, to those who have the cojones because I, 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 my brownness and my cojones are, you know, my, my factors that don't really take me there quite yet. But you show up in so many amazing ways. This is like, to me, having these conversations and putting them out there and sharing them are, that's huge. And you're in those, the groups and trying to figure out what, like what, what to do, what's the next step, how do you're talking to people. I think that's the hardest part. Thanks. Cause that's really all I feel like I am compelled to do is like have these mm-hmm. conversations and just kind of like, see if we can peel back some layers. Well, what would you what would you ask of of your white girlfriends? Like, what what do you think we could do right now that would impact, would change things? I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to give you an antidote first. A, a, a quick sure. a quick story about that. Um, the I don't care if you listen podcast. I'm Shalini. I'm speaking with Abby Eastman, having a great conversation about stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Um, all the stuff. All the stuff. I have always been a very outspoken, relatively larger statured in comparison to my female counterparts woman. And so somehow in my brain, I felt less pretty when I would speak up. 
Um, I would feel more hardcore, per se, if I would speak up. Um, I was voted most outspoken women's liber and best storyteller in high school. And those kind of, those things stuck with me yeah. a little bit because I think I was, I was around a lot of white people growing up. So I kind of felt like I was always kind of having to be the representative brown person, have the funny smelling food, have to be the one who got called the N word, was told to go back to my own country at a very young age, many times starting very early. So I kind of shied away. I didn't shy away, um, but I beat myself up for my outspokenness. Um, So one of my first boyfriends that I was, you know, he was a a black man. He was a football player and he was a big, tough guy, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I was 20, must have been 23 or so. And um, we're at this bar and there's like, must have been, you know, is a lot of his football friends all sitting around this big table at a restaurant everybody's drinking having a good time and they start talking about race and you know being black in america and at this point i i I had just finished my sociology degree but i you know i sat i listened and they were fascinating conversations um but i wanted to say something you know as an outsider looking in and mm-hmm. say, you know, this is this is an interesting perspective. And, you know, this is something that I've noticed. And I tried like twice to get it in. But, you know, it was, right. it was loud, boisterous men talking. And this guy stood up and he was like, would you guys shut up and let her talk for a minute? Oh. Swear to God, I don't know. But that was like of the moments in my life. Yeah. That was a moment. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that. Um, so when you say, what can I do? And you, we, hear, we hear the term ally. We hear mm-hmm. it. And I don't want people to have family friction all the time. I don't enjoy people having a hard time. When I say I like watching these TikTok videos of kids challenging their parents, I like seeing them take pride in who they are and and their Mm. beliefs. That's what I think is awesome. But I really do think that having those moment conversations when somebody says something dumb, you know it's an ignorantly based comment, and you know that it comes from a place of racism, prejudice, control, power, fear, wherever. Yeah. And it may be uncomfortable to say it, but anytime you find those chances, I think that's important. I also think that as a parent, it's really important to have the conversations with your kid that yes, kids that yes, the history that we are taught about America is skewed. Mm. Pay attention, like do a li- dig a little deeper. Because he's on money doesn't necessarily make him a good man. Let's talk about why he may not be a good man. And it's okay. And that's just part of history. So, yeah, as and and I think, you know, my friend Leonica, she's been in, she said she's been in the social work, you know, she's been in social work since college. And so we're going on 20 something years. And she's done training after training about inclusion and diversity to other social workers about how to interact in the black community, you know, how to be sensitive to XYZ. 
And she said, you know, it hurts my feelings because they're just now telling me how important this stuff is. Just now they're saying we need to mandate these and da, 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 da. And she's like, but I've been working on this for so many years and nobody's been listening. It's always yeah. been the, you know, I had it out with my father-in-law's girlfriend um, last time I saw her in Michigan. When I say had it out, but, you know, she yeah. she was talking about um, community college and she was saying something to the effect of the black, black kids had it easy because they get this handed to them and that handed to them. I didn't let it slide. I didn't yeah. let that one slide. And I think sometimes we let things like that, yeah, you know how it is. You, no, no, actually that's no. not how it is. If you want yeah. to do some research as to why people are in the positions that they're in and how they got there, watch documentaries like True Justice. Find out what's happening with uh, race and equality and where, it, where it's stemming from. Find out about the systemic racism. Why are there so many black men in prison? Why? What is the reason for that? Why are there so many arrests in black communities? Why are there so many deaths in black communities by cops? Why? Why is that? Why are those numbers so high? Nobody wants to look at the actual numbers. They want to have opinions, but they don't want to look at the numbers. And I feel like if we can all just look at the facts and find, let's find one document we all agree on, okay? We all agree that the CDC is a, they're a professional organization, right? Let's agree that their documents work. So I think your perspective is important. I think that I have work to do, right? I, I come from an Indian family. You know, my, I was born and bred to be raised that, you know, that, that lighter skin is better. So I, I have my own things that I, having black boyfriends and black friends growing up was a challenge for me. It wasn't easy. I got a lot of shit for that from school friends. I got a lot of shit for it from my family. And it was just like this, I didn't understand how brown could not support brown. We're brown, yo. They right. look at us all the same. What's the problem? You know? So what, what were the, re like, what, what reasons were given like, why? Why? It was a carryover from colonialism. I mean, it really is a carryover. If you are, you know, for 400 years, it's kind of beat over your head that, that the white people are the royalty and that's the mm -hmm. better. There's been caste systems, et cetera, in India for thousands of years. That's nothing new. Right. Indians came, came to America professionally in the 60s and 70s, and a lot of them came because of their professions and were sought, they were sought out to come here they didn't realize that they were coming on the backs of the civil rights movement. They didn't pay attention to the fact that the government was basically trying to say, look, you know, the good educated ones, look what these immigrants, look what these, these brown people can do when they had built an entire nation on the backs of slaves. And, you know, we can have conversations of, you know, slavery was what it was then. Sure. Okay. But when slavery was done and the civil rights movement happened, um, that laid the groundwork for a lot of Indians to come here. And somehow that gets forgotten. Mm. And somehow it's, it's a lot of better than, you know, look how, you know, look at their communities, look how they live. And it's, it's the better than situation. And it's not recognizing the edge that you had, you had an edge coming over. And mm. so just the facts, you know, yeah. I'm sure you're all brilliant, you know, physicians and you're all brilliant, you know, medical professionals and brilliant engineers. You were all brilliant. No one's saying you're not brilliant. You didn't earn the right. To yes, you came, you worked hard. Yes, good for you. But you came and you got here and you had the same rights because somebody before you was picking cotton and yeah. didn't want to do that anymore and got beat in the streets for it. So, you know, 
I mean, I've dealt with that. I was, I was very clear. I was not to marry. I was, there was, I was not to marry a black man. And so that became, I didn't Mm. talk to my parents for, for a long time. I was engaged to a black man. I didn't talk to them for a very long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, you know, it's been my own journey. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I, I was really into, to, you know, hip hop and everything else. And I hung out where I hung out in high school. And so in high school, I kind of got ousted for that. So it's, I think everybody has their own. And so that's why when you say you're mad at yourself, don't be mad at yourself. Like, yes. Okay. If you want to, but that's not where we're at. Where we're at now is what can we do from here? Because being mad at ourselves is when we did something to hurt somebody so that we could gain from it. That's what you can be mad at yourself for. And I don't see that really ever general, genuinely being the case um, yeah. with you. I just don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> Call me crazy. I don't see you being the let me hurt you so I can get ahead type. No, for sure not. And I just <laughs> for feel like sure not. <laughs> if we can kind of all go to base that and then yeah. work out logistics from there, we have to, we have to, we, I mean, it's, where are our kids going to live? What are they going to live in? Yeah. And how are they going to, how's it going to be better if we don't help them do better, see better, understand Yeah, what's happened, what's happening. And like you said, those are really hard conversations to have, but teaching them about it and then teaching them to don't just take the face value and look behind it. Yeah is like that's huge huge but i definitely think you know as much as you can talk to your white friends especially your white female friends okay and as much as you can make them understand what's at stake in this election as far as you know i'm not a huge biden fan i'll be the first to say it i feel like that should even be a t-shirt i am not a huge biden fan (laughs) But he's not that. And it's just a matter of starting to turn the Titanic. I'm not saying he's going to fix everything. I'm not saying that it's going to get fixed in the next 10, 15 years. But I do know that if we're going to start anywhere, we just got to start turning the ship a little bit. And if this administration keeps putting judges and judges and judges into positions, they're going to keep the system going in the twisted way that it's going. We have to be able to shift that. We have to make the, it's not about making the playing field fair, although that would be nice. It's more about making a playing field. Right. And that's really let's what play, we need the, to Let's do. have the seeds in the ground, at least. Yeah, We're not even there. Right. And, and, you know, so people talk about the electoral college. Yes, I would love to change all of these things. I would love to fix all of these big issues. But we got to start where we can. And the one thing that each of us has is a little itty-bitty measly vote. That's literally all we have. True. So we might as well. I mean, it's just the scariest thing for, I knew I felt sick to my core the day after the election in 2016. I felt Mm. sick to my core because I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew the systems were going to break down. And they did. And here we are. And we're journaling it. But holy moly, it's scary. (laughs) Yeah. And we've still, we're not, it's not over. No. That's the scary part because the last 
these few years, it's still the effects of it are going to be there for a long time. So that's why when it comes to schooling, we haven't talked about that piece, but when it comes to schooling, a lot of people are, you know, I've talked to people frequently who are too much screen time. I don't want to do the zoom stuff with my kid. Um, you know, they're very, very back to when things get back to normal, when things get back to normal, I don't feel like it's healthy to prepare for when things get back to normal right now. Right. Yeah. We got to figure out how we're going to, how we're going to roll. Like we can't just wait. This isn't like, okay, next Tuesday it's a day. It's going to all be done. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Well, no, that's like with your self care, with this work we've got to do with, school with the kids like yeah. we got to figure out a a new plan right now a whole because new otherwise- world <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you sing but i won't sing yeah wait, why not <laughs> no but it's true it's true yeah it's hard it doesn't mean that it's like it's easy it's hard and everybody has to figure it out well you sound like you're smiling and i like hearing you smile that makes me happy <laughs> does music make you feel any kind of way is there any kind of music that makes you feel any way yes i mean i love to i love music um and asha's learning the piano and the ukulele so i <gasps> love love that and i i mean i love country music do you like what music, what do you listen to yeah Oh, I mean, I just turn on a country radio station and I love all of it. But I also really love classic rock. Um, so there's kind of like two folds there. But yeah, I mean, all the current country I love, but I, I like some of the old country as well. But yeah. you are funny. So I worked at a station in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and we had a station down the hall called uh, WYTE Continuous Country Favorites. And I used to, they used to blur it in the hallway because that was the station everybody loved. And <laughs> I used to call it contagious country favorites because I would get, I'm not a country fan. I, 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 ah. I'm not a country fan. However, <laughs> there are a few here and there. And I do understand the, 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 the contagiousness of it because it's as hooky as all pop music. So yep. Breaker Breaker 1-9, she's a big old, what is that? How did that one go? That Josh Grayson go? I uh, was, uh. Uh, yes. You know what song I'm talking about? He was the yeah. guy from American Idol. That was a good song. Yeah. It was noontime, downtime, breakdown, summertime, middle time, anytime. She was looking pretty fine, real like green like go off out upside downtown. She was shaking me all around. I was tuned in, going nowhere, second wind, Jones and Pearl, and feeling good if you would. Oh, yeah, by the way, she moves. She's got me rolling, burning a white t shirt. Breaker, breaker, one nine. She's a big old thing. I met Carrie Underwood. Oh, wow. She had the personality of a wall, but, you know. Other than that, and you know, I think she has a beautiful voice. I always have a hard time believing that she has had those experiences of her songs. Oh yeah, um, well that yes. her her song is big on TikTok <laughs> right now. Her uh, oh, it is. I dug the keys into the side of his pretty little suit of four wheel drive. Yeah, she that song is big on TikTok right now because they're like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like <laughs> singing about that right now. Can you imagine? I 
adore you. I appreciate you. I oh, I appreciate you. I'm so happy that you took the time to chat with me, and thanks for letting me nudge you a little bit in those uncomfort zones and just kind of see where your head's at with that. Because I, 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 I need to know that that my white lady allies are out there just kind of knowing that I can be me and let you know that all this stuff is scaring me. And I, so I appreciate you allowing me to give, get that from you. Thank you. Oh, thank I appreciate you just being willing because sometimes it's scary to just ask the questions and don't know what to ask, but knowing that I can have someone to ask. I'll do the best I can every time. Every time I'll do the best I can. I have a friend who adopted, um, who's fostering two young black girls. And one of our mutual friends said, hey, can you maybe chat with her about possibly asking for help on hair? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yes, let's, sure. I, I don't know yeah. where, I, but I have a friend who will definitely love to talk about hair. So let's have these frank and honest conversations. White women, you are not expected to, to know how to do little black girl's hair. You're not expected to. Yeah. You, you didn't, you don't know. And I don't because I, I don't do it. So let's talk to, there's millions of people that will help you. Yeah. <laughs> Ask I always want to believe that there's people out there who, who Always. want to help, who want to answer the questions, who want to have the hard talks. So and they want to grow. They want to look at that side, yeah. Amen. Well, thank you. I'm going to publish this soon, and if you feel like sharing and you'd like to share, I will appreciate it, and tell your husband thanks for what he does, and enjoy time with your kiddos, and all the fun music making, and self-caring, and loving yourself, because you are a beautiful human being, my friend. Oh, so are you. Thank you so much for talking so people can listen. <laughs> I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. The Dixie Chicks with lead singer Natalie Maines and sisters Marty McGuire and Emily Strayer are one of the biggest female music acts of all time. 13 Grammys, tens of millions of records sold, and now they're getting ready to run again. To my own drum, march, march to my own drum. Hey, hey, I'm an army of one. Oh, I'm an army of one. March, march to my own drum, march, march to my own drum. Hey, hey, I'm an army of one. Oh, I'm an army of one. Run is back in here cause she don't like Mondays. Underpay your teacher, police in the hallways. Print yourself a weapon and take it to the Cut the shit, you ain't going to the gun range Standing with him and our sons and daughters Watching our youth have to solve our problems I follow them, so who's coming with me? Half of you love me, half already hate me March, march to my own drum March, march to my own drum Hey, hey, I'm an army of one Oh, I'm an army of one March, march to my own drum March, march to my own drum